ia te a te a taka ia te pai pai wa o uru mai te utupoto te ware kōrero e tū nei. Kia ora. welcome to Change Channel, a space to share tupuna wisdom, Māori ancestral knowledge with you and the world. Tēnā, wakarongo mai. Nō te ipureo tēnei kawenga o te pai pai wa o a Chase Channel. Inumia te kōrero. Chase Channel is brought to you by Te Ipurao. E ngā maunga whakahia ngā wapū kōrero. Tēnei te mihi ki a koutou i roto i o koutou. Kāinga maha, miru miru maha puta noa i Aotearoa. Kia ora everybody, welcome back to another daily edition of the Whānau Guide for COVID-19. This show has been put together to help inform you, your whānau and your community of all the information that you need to get through this level 4 lockdown and to get through COVID-19. I'm Te Arahi, mai pia mihi atuana ki a koutou katoa. Every episode, we have an expert panel to join us to talk about all the different facets around COVID-19 and to give you that expert advice that could be very, very helpful to you and your whānau. So before we introduce our guests, just going through the daily stats of 20, uh, day 21 of the lockdown, uh, 20 new corona cases, coronavirus cases in Aotearoa made up of six confirmed cases and 14 probable. That brings the total number of cases in Aotearoa to 1,386, and 728 people have recovered. And that's an increase of 100 just in the last 24 hours. So that means that there's only 350 active cases in Aotearoa. That's down by 94 in the last 24 hours as well. No new deaths to report. Kamutu emihiana kiarato tēnā ki ngā kaumātua i hinga inanahitonura. Nine people have died in total, with four new deaths were announced yesterday. They involved two men in their 90s, one in their 80s in Christchurch, and also one man in his 70s in Te Whanganui, the Ātara. Kia koutou, hoki atu anō ki o koutou, ki te oki oki ngā o tātou te tangata. And currently there are 13 people who remain in hospital, three are in ICU, two of them critical. But all indications say that things are, in a wider degree, moving in a positive direction. Uh, also, though, it is very important to know that if you are experiencing any type of symptoms or if you need some advice around your health, please call Healthline. The number is 0800 358 5453. It's an important number to remember because if you want to get tested for COVID-19, you need to get it signed off first by either Healthline or you can call your doctor. Uh, your GP. Now, at today's one o'clock briefing, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield urged everyone who is unwell to seek care without delay because people are leaving it too late, becoming seriously ill before they get treatment. There are people on hand within their doctors, within testing stations, and also within hospitals that are on hand and they have the capability to help you if you need it. 
0800-358-5453 for Healthline and for all information around COVID-19, visit the website. It is a free website. It's www.covid19.govt.nz. And also one last thing about the Healthline is that uh, calls are being answered within 10 seconds now. So definite capacity there to help you if you need it. Norere huama. Me toko ake i naene ki ngā mātanga ko piri mai, ki te āpini ia mātou i tēnei hōtaka whānau guide for COVID-19. Uh, first of all, uh, based down in Te Whanganui Ātara, I'd like to welcome John Whanga, who's the Deputy Director General Māori Health at the Ministry of Health. E te rangatira, John, tēnā rawātou koe nau mai haere mai. Tēnā koe te arahi o te atira, tēnā koutou katoa e mātaki taki ana, i raro i te rāhui nui ki rongi te motu nei. Tēnā koe, tēnā koe. Uh, and I come to Tuarua ko Ricky Niania tēnei, who is the chair of Tumu Whakarai. Tumu Whakarai is the National Māori General Managers and Directors. Uh, they look after them of the 20 DHBs across Aotearoa. Kaupapa of Tumu Whakarai is to provide Māori leadership for DHBs and respect to achieving better health comes for Māori. Nō reira, Ricky, ngā mihi anō ki ākoe, nō mai haere mai. Tēnā koe uh, e te prata, me koe hoki e te tūkana, John. Uh, tēnā koutou te mātini tini mātakitaki mai. Tēnā rawa tu kōrua, me te mātatoru anō hoki o ngā mahi kei runga i a kōrua tēnei wā. I'll get straight into the uh, some of the questions um, that are most relevant at this point. Uh, John, I'll start off with you. Um, what work has been done and what's the major work, major focus that's uh, been to support Māori communities? Oh, I think the, the support's um, on a variety of fronts. There's some work we're doing with Tumu Whakarai across the country to um, allocate $13 million of funding directly to Māori providers, both for provider assistance and also for outreach services, particularly for those uh, services that are a priority at this stage, uh, Kaumatua services, for instance. Uh, but there's also work we've been doing to get alongside initiatives already in, underway. So this initiative, for instance, is one that we're getting behind to support. It was an initiative um, uh, built off the work by the four northern DHBs, and we're certainly, certainly getting alongside to support um, this initiative. Uh, there's work we've been doing, for instance, with the Whānau Water Commissioning Agencies. So we've gotten alongside them to purchase an additional 60,000 packs, uh, and I'm sure you're already aware that 30,000 of those packs went out to communities last week. Uh, we are also working, um, looking at um, how we can increase um, testing, Māori testing. Uh, there's work we've been doing significantly in the last two weeks to increase the Māori vaccination rates, particularly um, those, our, our pakeke, our kaumatua, but also those with chronic illnesses, for instance. Um, so those are the areas we've been working on. And aside from that, um, there's a large part of our work which is looking across all of the government work programme and all of the health sector work programme led by the Ministry and the National Health Coordination Centre um, to make sure there's a very strong Māori equity and tiriti lens across all of the work they're doing as well. Kia ora. Um, how can we keep up to date with the Māori health response? We're planning to release the uh, Māori Response Action Plan uh, very shortly. Um, it is an iterative plan, so it is it is a plan that we expect to be adding to because, as you know, COVID-19 is a pretty fluid situation. Mm. Things do change. But we thought it was important to release a plan which clearly shows that um, an understanding of our treaty responsibilities and Māori equity is front and foremost for us and also a recognition 
of the potential and likelihood that Māori would be disproportionately affected by any epidemic such as this. Um, there's also work that um, we will be uh, providing through Pānui that we send out through our networks and obviously um, uh, work that um, goes up on the COVID-19 and the Ministry of Health website. So um, those are the main areas where we can be providing people with information, plus the information that's provided generally now, particularly the ethnicity data that comes out every day in terms of what the impact of COVID-19 is on our people, both in terms of confirmed potential cases, but also in terms of testing, for instance. Kia ora, John. Tēnā koe me Ricky, um, from a Tumufakarai uh, perspective, uh, what has been the response uh, for this crisis? Kia ora, Ricky, can you hear us? Might be having some technical issues with his internet connection. Kei te pai tēnā. I'll come back to him in just a second, uh, but John, I'll bring you back into the conversation. Um, there's a lot of information going out there, and it's Hera wete rongo inga hua kwa puta mai ki arapu te ora mete maramatanga iroto i ene uh, i te nei kaupapa mete nei mate patuana yatata i te nei wa. But what messages do Fano need to hear right now? Oh look, I think the the, the first one is kia kahatonu tata. Um, you know, there's a reason that uh, we're in lockdown. And look, what I have to say, and I think it's really important, Te here, is across the country, our people have embraced that challenge and mm. found ways to keep themselves safe, their communities safe. They've changed their tikanga. In fact, we were changing our tikanga before we got to the alert levels. Um, and I really want to acknowledge our people and the way they've embraced a significant challenge in a positive way to find ways to support each other um, through these times. I think there's some other important things. Um, we've extended the uh, free flu vaccinations for the next two weeks, and it's really important for our people to get alongside there and get free uh, flu vaccinations. Now, the vaccinations don't protect you from COVID-19, but they do two things. They help uh, with your general immunity and certainly immunity for flu, which and we are in flu season. And secondly, it means that if we can stop ourselves getting flu, particularly serious flu, it'll stop us clogging up the hospital should we have a situation where those hospital services are really um, needed. Uh, I think the other thing which... Um, uh, my boss, Ashley Bloomfield, and even the Prime Minister have been putting out recently is it's really important for people to continue to access health services in a timely fashion. Mm. It's not the time to be putting that off. If you're sick, access your local health service provider. It's really important you do that. There's no reason why you shouldn't be doing that. That's an essential service, and it's really important that people aren't accessing that service when they're too sick or when they get a lot sicker. I think the last one is how we collectively work with each other to keep each other's uh, our spirits up and certainly our mental health. This is a very trying time for our communities generally and certainly for some of our more disadvantaged communities it's really trying circumstances so it's how we can get alongside and support people generally. There are obviously um, there's work that's been done uh, or there's work and services being provided by both the ministry and others. One three um, uh, 1737, for instance, the text line. So it's really important that we keep an eye on each other um, and support each other during this very stressful time. Mm. It's an important issue that you raise, um, John, because obviously the, the primary focus is around COVID-19, but there's all these other mate that we need to be considerate of uh, in order to keep our uh, health 
well, how about our mental health, te tahahinengaro? It seems to be a common thing that's been talk, uh, talked about as we continue on through the lockout, uh, lockdown period and even post this period with all the other pressures uh, that will come because of COVID-19. Uh, what's the focus there around uh, the tahahinengaro? Yes, I think at a national level, there's a national psychosocial plan which has been developed and which funding has been set aside. That's been led by the Mental Health Directorate and the Ministry with a very strong Māori focus. Um, and we're also working uh, with that directorate and also very keen to work alongside some of our organisations who already got a focus, particularly on psychosocial support. So an example of that is the work being undertaken by the South Island Whānau Water Commissioning Agency, uh, with their hashtag Manaki20. Um, not surprisingly, for particularly the Canterbury region, psychosocial support um, post um, the Christchurch earthquakes has been a large focus in that community and region for some time. And really, they're building on top of that with the COVID-19 response in mind. So that's work that's going to continue for mm. some months. It's, it's work that's uh, really important now, and it's work we must continue on. And I think that's most really important thing for us to be considering looking forward for Māori Health. We're going to be needing to be redoubling our efforts and working hard, particularly over the next nine to 12 months, as we go through different um, alert levels and as we also go through trying to manage COVID-19, particularly as we're managing it in an environment where we don't currently have a vaccine. We'll try and get Ricky back in here. Hopefully we've sorted out the internet issues. Uh, Ricky, uh, um, I want to ask you from Tumu Fakarai's perspective, what has been the response to this crisis? Sorry about that. Uh, hopefully you can hear me all right. Um, well, listen, I think at the DHB level, what we've wanted to make sure of, um, I'm not sure if uh, or the whānau will know, but every district health board has a director of Māori Health or a Māori General Manager of Health, and um, I'm sure John's already covered some of this, but basically our responsibility at that level is to make sure that uh, we're providing an effective response from a health perspective to our Māori populations and our um, distinct localities. And so it's no different uh, for this kaupapa, even though this is a significant kaupapa and one that obviously is uh, very challenging for our country at the moment. What the Tumu Whangarai or what the GMs at a local level have tried to make sure of is that every district health board response has a designated Māori, Māori leader. So that's the first thing. And second thing is that within that response, there is a strong, rigorous and robust Māori response plan integrated into it. And in particular, in the different streams of work that have been rolled out at the locality level. Part of that also is making sure that we're engaging with our iwi partners and engaging with our important Māori provider network, who I must say, uh, along with our tribal leaders, have been doing an amazing job um, to support, care for, uh, and afi and show aroha to, towards our whānau at this time. Kia ora. Within that, um, John talked about some of the initiatives that have gone across on a national level. Uh, the Māori GM is working to support those Ministry of Health initiatives. What does this mean or look like at a local delivery level? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we work very closely with the Ministry of Health and are in constant contact with them, usually on a daily basis. At a local level, what that looks like is, so one of the things that we've prioritised is immunisation of our people, uh, flu vaccination of our kaumata to make sure that they're protected from influenza. And while that's, I'm sure that's already sp been spoken about, not a cure for COVID-19, mm. what it does do is help mitigate some of those issues related to that particular uh, strain 
uh, of influenza for our people as we head into winter. Um, that's been a ministry priority and that's been a shared priority with Tumu Whakarai or the Māori GMs and district health boards at the locality level. We've also been working closely with the ministry to make sure that uh, some of the Māori response funding that has been identified by uh, the health ministers and other ministers within the country and through the Ministry of Health, John's uh, team within the Ministry of Health, uh, getting that out to our frontline workers and our Māori providerships and also within um, you know, those iwia who are wanting to also play a hands-on and strategic role um, to the challenges that we've been faced with um, in terms of this virus. I'll bring John in very soon, but I just want to ask you one more question, and it's a word that you've both used within uh, this interview, the word equity. I just wanted to ask, Rin, uh, what, what are the mechanisms for equity outcomes, and within a health perspective, particularly amongst Māori, what does that actually mean, that word? Well, I think the, the important thing to remember is that even in you know, times of business as usual, when we're not in a crisis, our people traditionally have not, uh, for whatever reason, access services um, at a rate or in a way that we would uh, aspire for them to. And the system hasn't always been responsive to them in a way that's been effective. And so equity, if you like, is um, a word that we use to capture some of the inequitable uh, access to services and also to health outcomes that our people um, have experienced for a whole lot of reasons, uh, ranging from uh, colonisation to, um, I guess, an ineffectiveness in some parts of our system to be able to engage effectively uh, with our people, uh, a necessity to improve capability, and et cetera, and so on. What that looks like in the northern region, and I can only really talk about the northern region in this instance, but I'm sure it is an example of what's happening right throughout the country, is that what we've tried to do is work very closely with our Māori providers and iwi and our tribal partners. For example, in Auckland, we have two Māori-led CBACs or uh, COVID-19 testing stations. It was important to us to make sure that we had Māori-led CBACs in place because uh, I guess from an equity perspective, we're wanting to make sure, one, that they're located in the right place, mm. but two, that they do have a focus and a capability to be able to respond to and test people, test our people in a way um, that we know will be effective. Um, we're also working very closely with Māori providers, as I said before, who are experts at engaging with our people and our communities um, to increase the number of, for example, flu vaccines going to our kaumata, because we know that um, our people, our, our providers, our Māori providers, you know, my experience with most Māori providers is they'll always go above and beyond what we fund them for. And that's the attitude that we need in the system, not just in the times of a crisis, but at all times. And as a result of that, and I'm not sure if John's mentioned this already, but we've seen a doubling of uh, the flu vaccinations of Māori people within the target population in this country in the last uh, few weeks. And a large amount of that is to do with primary care, but it's also to do uh, with effective Māori-led service provision in the community. Kia ora, Ricky. Nga mihi moe, nga whakamārama. John, I'll bring you back into the conversation. Uh, and my question is around the overall Māori testing positive for COVID-19. Uh, the numbers haven't been that bad. Uh, in fact, what was feared at the beginning, um, we could see, we could probably say that the numbers have been really, really good. Uh, and the amount of people who have tested positive. But realistically, and from your standpoint, looking at the big picture, how should we be looking at those numbers and those results? Look, I think firstly, and, and I say this carefully, 
Um, it's positive that uh, the lockdown period is driving down the overall numbers. That's really positive. And I think, um, you know, it's worth acknowledging that. And, and I say that advisedly and I say that carefully because obviously we want that trend to continue. Um, I think the um, moving forward, um, it's important that we keep vigilant. Um, so we've been extra vigilant, and that's why we're at alert level four. It was really important that we that we got to the stage to be able to manage where things were a couple of weeks ago. But as we go ahead, we have to continue to be vigilant. It's going to be really important that we continue to focus on hygiene. Basic hygiene is going to be really important. It's really important that we continue to be vigilant around general public health. Um, there are going to be escalating uh, or de-escalating um, alert levels um, potentially coming up, depending on how things go. So it's really important that we're monitoring and we're surveilling how things are going. It's also really important that we continue on some of the initiatives we're already doing. It's really important that people get vaccinated. It's really important that we continue on with with testing. And these are things that are going to be going on, I would say, for at least the next nine to 12 months. So it's really important that we continue to pick up on the challenge we've already picked up on, um, our focus on on keeping ourselves safe, our focus on hygiene, um, our focus on monitoring and surveillance to make sure that we're keeping an eye on how things go, and also recognising um, that there are going to be continue to be some restrictions and public health matters that we're going to need to keep an eye on as we go. And, you know, what gives me confidence around this is, that, as I said before, our people have risen to the challenge, as they always do, and, and they've navigated and they will continue to navigate pathways forward that make sense to them in, in the context of who we are as Māori, our communities and those we have to look after. And so uh, my view is we need to keep doing that. We need to keep working alongside our iwi and Māori organisations and community-based organisations together uh, to continue to keep an eye on the safety of our people. Uh, John, within that, and uh, Kiamatara, uh, being vigilant uh, in regards to our health and our hygiene moving forward, um, considering that our population uh, is vulnerable, one of the most vulnerable uh, when it comes to health, uh, do you believe um, that Māori have received as much funding as we should in order to be able to fight this? Oh, look, I, I, just, I look at it a different way, which, which for me is I, I look at what I've seen as the positives coming out of this. I've seen engaged Māori organisations, iwi organisations, and certainly um, we're certainly pushing through all of our efforts that we need to have a strong Māori equity lens. And getting back to your question that you asked Ricky, Ricky before, equity for us um, is twofold. One is equity sits within a broader context of understanding the government's obligations to Māori under Te Tiriti o Waitangi. Secondly, equity, and I think this is a big challenging point, equity is not about treating everyone or giving everyone exactly the same thing. It's about recognising that some people need more and that it's okay and some other people need less and it's okay to be doing those things. So for me, it's not it's not a matter of what the funding or resourcing is. The focus for me is making sure whatever we are doing in the COVID-19 space, that we have a strong understanding of what our treaty responsibilities are, and we have a strong understanding of our Māori equity responsibilities. So, you know, for me, when you look at it that way, it does, the kind of funding and resourcing comes secondary to making sure we do the best job, and in my case, making sure we're doing the best job for Māori. Kia ora. Koe. Um, Ricky, anecdotally, uh, well, sorry, we've talked about... Um, 
a real collaborative type of approach right across sectors and our iwi picking up this challenge to look after ourselves and to get through this but from uh, what are the problems the dhb's um, maori health are facing out in the different regions well, I think it's it's the same challenges um, that we've been faced that are being faced everywhere. I mean, the thing is, is that this is, um, you know, we've had to move very, very quickly to respond. Um, in order to move very quickly, you've got to have the workforce capability and capacity to, in order to do that. Um, so that's been one of the challenges: is to make sure that, um, particularly at a provider level. Um, supporting our providers um, to be able to do that. Some of that's been about, for example, making sure that they're safe at the front line. Um, we got over, I think in March, um, 3,000 uh, pairs of gloves to our uh, whānau at the front line, uh, 6,000 gowns, um, you know, the PEP equipment, PPE equipment that they needed, et cetera, and so on. But that, that's been a challenge too. To be honest, we would have liked to have done that faster. And I think the other challenge is that because this is also moving so fast as, as communicating and engaging with our whanau to make sure um, that they have all the information that they need. And they know, for example, that, as you said right at the beginning of this interview, that services aren't closed. GP practices aren't closed. You can still access them. You can still access the health line. You can still go to ED if you need it. You can still ring an amb ambulance, etc. And so making sure that our whānau get the right communication has also um, not been a challenge, but it's been something that we've had to be very uh, mindful of uh, and rigorous with. So, yeah, I mean, from my perspective, those have been some of the challenges. I mean, workforce will continue to be a big one. Uh, we've just put in place a workforce repository uh, to encourage those people who find themselves out of work at the moment to register with it so that we can redeploy them into um, the Māori health response within within the northern region. And I know that some of the other district health boards across the country are doing that as well. I've just got a couple more questions before we wrap this interview up, but I have one that's come through on uh, one of the Facebook feeds from the county's Monaco Health. Ricky, this will probably be best directed at you. How do you reach our remote communities and what are supports for those types of whānau? Is that, is that for me? Yes, yes, sorry for you, Ricky. Yeah, yeah, so sorry, Kilda. Well, one of the things that we've done in the northern region is that we've invested into what we're calling the Kaimanaki response. And the Kaimanaki program basically is putting an extra up to 120 more Māori staff into the system right now over the next at least three months. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of that really is to enable our providers to continue doing what they're doing, but to do it faster and is also to do it at the Kaima level. So that's one of our endeavours. Um, another endeavour that we're currently looking at and working on at the moment is looking at how we mobilise our, our Māori, provider, Māori health provider services across our region. Because as we move back through the levels or even within level four, what we want to make sure of is that our whānau, um, who traditionally do not access services um, as well as other ethnicities within this country, and um, we make it easy for them to access services, health services in particular, that they need, swabbing, testing, et cetera, and so on within our region. And that includes within our rural localities. So we're looking to be very, very deliberate and intentional with our approach um, to responding to uh, our communities, wherever they are, whatever the characteristics of those communities are within our region. 
Kia ora, tēnā koe, whakautu, tēnā pātai. I have one, it's the same question, just probably at different levels as my last one uh, for the both of you. I might start off with you, John, first of all. In regards to level three, what will or what could level three likely look like at a national level? Yes, well, that's an interesting question, and I know it's something that the Prime Minister is intending to provide some clarity on tomorrow. Um, I think for a starting point, there will continue to be restrictions, obviously, in place under Level 3. Um, still, there will still be restrictions on movement. There will still be restrictions on, um, and we will still need to obviously practice physical distancing. There might be uh, a bit more relaxation in terms of um, how many people might be able to come together, for instance, um, safely. Um, there may be uh, some opportunities for um, certain businesses or industry to possibly go back um, uh, to work or partially back to work, depending on if they can deal with basic health and safety. Um, there will still be, as I said, requirements around physical distancing. Um, I'm not sure if they've made final decisions around what that might mean for um, Educational institutions, my understanding is they would still likely be closed under Level 3, but there might be more opportunity to, um, for at least um, uh, teaching, um, online teaching and things like that. So it's still going to be uh, quite a restrictive environment um, mm. under Level 3. And I think, you know, um, as as has been reported um, just today, um, one of the things we want to absolutely make sure is that we don't lose all of the good work and the hard work. And, you know, it's been New Zealanders per se, including Māori, who've contributed to where we are now. It's them being on the front line by allowing uh, their civil and other liberties to be curtailed um, for the greater good, um, you know, so that kaurai um, dewi, or dewi whanui, I suppose. So I think there will still be um, quite a few restrictions in place, um, generally speaking, but there might be a bit more relaxation um, and potential opportunities for some, uh, potentially some businesses or some areas to at least partially operate. But it's, as I said, the Prime Ministers uh, and, and Cabinet are, are looking through advice on that at the moment. And I understand there's going to be a significant announcement made about that tomorrow. Can't buy. Um, based on that information, and I guess from your observations as well, at a, at a more local level, uh, Ricky, um, I won't ask you what you think it would look like, but I, what I will ask you is what things do you think are still absolutely necessary? at a local level to keep our people safe, even at level three, if, if the uh, alert levels uh, go down? Sorry, we've got a bit of a um, oh, sorry. connection, but I'll, but, but I'll carry on. I mean, but basically everything that, that John has said, but at a local level, I mean, I think we still need to be very vigilant um, with, you know, um, in the same way that our whanau have been in, in, in level four. In, in my view, um, it's probably even more important to be vigilant as we drop through the levels because that's when we become more at risk. The more we, we release or loosen the controls, in my view, the more risk uh, at risk our whanau become um, because there's, I guess, greater uh, opportunity for the transmission of the infection. And so, you know, being infected. So from my perspective, yeah, we just need to um, listen to the guidance that's given to us 
uh, as most of our have, have done through level four. And, and as you can see, it's had a very positive impact. And we need, need to be very vigilant in terms of like physical distancing, uh, about continuing to protect our bubble, um, etc. But I mean, as John's rightly pointed out, um, I think it's important to, to wait to hear uh, what the Prime Minister says tomorrow. Um, having said that, uh, my view would be, yeah, is to continue as we have uh, through level four um, in order to protect our whanau, regardless of, of what level is, um, and to implement those practices and behaviours which keep our whanau safe, such as social or physical distancing, etc. Tēnā kōrua. Uh, na, mā te kōrero, kā mōhio, mā te mōhio, kā mārama, mā te mārama, kā ora te tangata. Nō reira, kia kōrua, ngā amorangi o te ao Māori i tēnei wā. A nei mātou tō iwe tū whakawhirinaki ana ki a kōrua, ana e ki tō kōrua tira, e ata whaiti ana i atatau i tēnei wā. John Whanga, Ricky Nenea, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I can't even imagine how busy you both are with all the responsibilities that you have at this point, but thank you so much for sharing this information with our people uh, and throughout the country. Nō reira, ngā mihi kia kōrua. Tēnā koutou. Tēnā koutou. That's John Fanga and Ricky Nia Nia uh, sharing their insights at a national and also a local level around uh, COVID-19, this day 21 lockdown. Uh, the messages are out there and they're very, very clear and they're coming from all aspects around health. If you are ill or you have any type of symptoms whatsoever, please do not hesitate to get the treatment that you need. First of all, you can ring your doctor, but if it is COVID-19 specific, you can ring Healthline. The number is 0800 358 5453. That is the best port of call. They're answering calls within 10 seconds now to have a phone consultation to check whether you do need to get tested for COVID 19. Nohora mai ki roto i o koutou mirumiru, ki roto i o koutou kainga maha, pai marire ki a tatou katoa. Nā te puni kōkiri e pūtea tautoko, made with support from te puni kōkiri. Nā Puoro Jerome, ngā reo Puoro. Soundtracks from Puoro Jerome.